Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Durhaj. It's uh, Roxanne Durhodge. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, this week, I have a colleague, Michael Morrow. Uh, hi, Michael. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. Uh, Michael has um, decided to spend some time with us today because we talk a lot about authenticity, but I think a lot of times we kind of, I would say, deviate from the issue of money. I don't know if you've ever had conversations with friends or even family members. It seems to be that topic that most people don't want to talk about. Michael is an expert. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about his background, and we're going to talk, go, jump into the concept of money and how, how do you have what you need, and um, if you don't, how do you start to think about the concept of money a bit differently? So Michael is the president of Moral Financial. He's a certified financial planner. Um, and um, with Manulife Securities Investment Services, Inc. Um, he shows you how to have enough for any important financial responsibilities. He pr- helps you protect your lifestyle and make be- better business, business better and retire in comfort. Um, he has uh, done a lot of publication. He's been in national newspapers, industry magazines, and over... Um, 40,000 financial, he's spoken to over 40,000 financial advisors in 12 countries um, and worldwide people turn to him for his five books that he's written. He's a two-time president of the local financial advisors association of Canada. Um, In in addition to being an advisor, um, he's been heavily involved with community organizations like big brothers, United way, Knights of Columbus, his church, his youth baseball and as, as well as Excalibur Knight with the Million Dollar Roundtable Foundation, which I know he has a, a, a speaking event coming up there in June. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, Mike and his wife, Nina, um, of 21 years, are they live in Thunder Bay. Um, so he sees a little bit more snow than I do here in Niagara. He enjoys his, uh, his uh, family with his two children at their cottage on one island lake in the summer and skiing in the winter at Loch Lomont. So, Michael, thanks again for coming to talk with us today. My so, pleasure. So, you know, I know we uh, we met just recently, and um, I was able to hear you speak. Um, and I, I'm always intrigued by money, and I know it's something that even in my family was always, you know, you hear the concept, money doesn't grow on trees. Um, you know, you hear all these things growing up over and over again. So I thought talking about the concept of money and what you see as kind of um, would be a good topic is for us to focus on. Okay. Um, well, first thing is uh, we, we just wrote a book that uh, the U.S. version of the book, it's called Don't Worry, Retire Happy. Uh, three of us did the Canadian version of that book, and it got a PBS special in the United States. And it's going to be available on audiobook and uh, on, on Kindle and uh, on chapters uh, online. And basically what we did was the, the reason for the book, uh, we called it Don't Worry, Retire Happy. And it basically what we did was we talked about the seven steps to having a successful retirement. Um, 
Before I talk about that, I think one of the things is the first thing with money is, is that uh, when, when you look at what, what, what uh, couples argue about and the number one reason for people divorcing, uh, number one arguments are about money, how it's, how it's made, how it's spent. And, and very often we find couples that, that aren't aligned on their goals. One person wants to buy a bunch of toys, the other person wants to save the money. And very often it causes a lot of tension. In addition to that, money, you know, isn't really all that topical, like you mentioned, and people don't talk about it very much. And very often I have uh, retired clients come in, they pass away, and their children have no idea how much money they have, uh, where they wanted it to go. And so, you know, it, it is something that should be talked about more openly and, and is really in a lot of ways uh, extremely secretive. The, the number one thing that uh, I find, I've been a financial planner for 30 years, and the number one thing that I, I find is, is that, that people know they should be saving money, but they really have no idea how much. They don't know what they're saving for. Um, you know, you, you, you graduate from school, maybe you have some student loans, you go out and you buy a nice car, you got a car payment, now all of a sudden you go and you buy a house. And uh, next thing you know, you phone me up and you're 30, 35, 40 years old and you've got all these payments, you've got very little money, and retirement isn't really all that far away. If we go and we look at somebody's life, the average person lives to about age 80 years old, just to use a nice round number. And if we take that, that's only 28,000 days that you have in your whole life from age zero to age 80. And if you look at the first quarter of your life from age zero to age 20, you're going to school, you're not making any money at all. Then you enter the workforce, you know, for the second phase of your life from age 20 to age 40 is another 7,000 days. And then 40 to 60 is another 7,000 days. And then you retire at age 60 and you're going to live off your money from 60 to age 80. And so you don't make any money from zero to 20, which is the first 7,000 days of your life. You, you don't make any money from 60 to 80, which is the last 7,000 days of your life. So from 20 to 60, counting weekends, you have both 14,000 days to, to accumulate enough money to, to get all the financial goals that you want to have in your life. And it's just not very much time at all. And now I meet somebody, if I meet them at 30 or I meet them at 40, they're down to maybe 10,000 days, 7,000 days to gather a big enough pool of money together to be financially dependent for, for the rest of their life. Uh, the number one thing that, that, that people have to do is have some sort of a financial plan. And we, when we do financial plans for clients, the software is actually pretty simple and pictorial. And basically, we just go and somebody comes in. Um, you know, we don't judge where they're at as far as financially when they come in. They are where they are. They came to us for help. So now you sit down with me. Let's just say you're 40 years old and you and your spouse make uh, $100,000 a year each. You've got $200,000 of gross income. And, uh, you know, probably you've got a couple hundred thousand dollars as a mortgage payment still you're working on. You've got, you've got kids you want to save for, for their schooling, maybe even help give them a little bit of a head start in life. Hopefully you have a pension plan and things like that through work. And so what we do is we just take all those numbers, we plug them in, we go, okay, here, you're 40 years old. Here's your current assets. Here's how much you plan on saving. Here's all the benefits that are going to be available to you come retirement time through Canada Pension, through old age security through your current savings, maybe money from downsizing your house, uh, different things like that. And uh, we just go and we plug them in. And what happens is you're either going to have enough for retirement or you're not going to have enough for retirement. And then if you have enough or you don't have enough, what we do is we turn around 
and we just change the different assumptions. If you don't have enough for retirement, there's really not that many choices that are available to you. You can either work longer, you can save more money, you can get more aggressive to hopefully get a better rate of return, or you can retire on less. And so if I do a financial plan for you or anybody else and there's not enough money, you know, instead of you retiring, let's just say it's 60. If I have you retire at, you know, 62 or 63, I got three more years of you working. I have three more years of you saving money. I have three more years of you compounding and three less years of you pulling money out that we can really fix a financial plan or retirement plan for people really, really easy just by playing with the different variables that we have. Um, so what do you find the biggest issue is with pe when um, people come to you? What, what is it that they're struggling with? Well, I, I think if, 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 if I talk about people who come to see me and then I'll, I'll talk about just society in general, um, most of the people that, that, that come to see me, they already have money when, when they meet me or they get referred to me. And so, you know, they've been saving money, whether it's at their bank or through their group RSP or, you know, with an investment firm, whatever it happens to be. Uh, you know, husband and wife, let's just say, get together and they go, okay, we can save $1,000 a month. They start putting it away for a while. And then they get to the point they got 50000 a 100000 a couple of $100,000. And they don't really know what that money is going to do for them. And then they call up somebody, um, you know, maybe who's a little bit more established in the industry like myself to go and kind of basically take all the different pieces and put them together. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest challenge that they have is that they're saving. They don't know how much they need. They don't know when they can retire. They don't know what the money's going to do for them when they retire. So that's, that's sort of the, the average person that comes to see me uh, what their challenges are. But if I, if I go and I look at the average person just in society in general, uh, their biggest challenge is, is that they're up to their eyeballs in debt. The amount of debt that people have, it's just absolutely insane. You know, you go and you look back a generation ago or, or two generations ago, uh, most of the people that are probably watching this are, are children or grandchildren of immigrants. And you take sort of what an immigrant was like. They, they moved over with, with very little. They were just thrilled to get a job. They didn't care what that job was. They saved all their money. They didn't go out to restaurants. They, they didn't have two or three cars. They didn't have three cell phones. Uh, they lived in a normal house. Uh, you know, most, most people who were you know, 50 and over, they lived in a house, there were six people living in a house that was a two or a three bedroom house. And, you know, everybody got along, everybody was happy. And now today, everybody needs to live in a 2000 square foot house, they need to drive a nice car, they need to, to have all the toys. And there's just a huge cost to that. And the cost to that is basically, that instead of you having money that you're saving for your future, you have all of this debt, which means that you were not only spending 100% of your money, you were spending more than 100% of your money. And so I got to get you just to ground zero where you're, 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 you're not, you know, you're, you're making a little bit of progress instead, instead of working yourself backwards. You know, when, when we look at retirement and why people retire, um, you know, some people, they, 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 they just, they're just counting down the days until they retire. And there's other people uh, myself included, I don't really have, I'm not going to say I'm going to not retire ever, but it's like a long way off for me. I, I like my job. I, I like coming to work. I like providing value and, and having fulfillment in my life. But sort of the formula for retirement happiness is how much you, you dislike what you're currently doing multiplied by how much you want to do something else. So if you really dislike your current job and you really want to do something else, then retirement is, is a really, really important thing to you. 
But if you really, really like what you're doing and you don't really want to do anything else, then retirement isn't that important. For sure. Like you and I pivoting into different careers, huh. uh, speaking and, and doing things like that. We're doing something we like. But, you know, I will often hear people when I'm consulting or whatever, and they can't wait. They know by the, by the months, the days, the hours. And I'm like, wow, what, what, a, way, what a way to live. It's a, a difficult concept to think that, you know, I'm thinking six, six years, five months, three days and 24 hours kind yeah. of thing. You know, yeah. so it's, 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 that's but, a delicate kind of thing. But you know, what happens is, uh, you know, people often get their priorities uh, misaligned. And I, I guess if you just look at your whole life, forget about finances, um, your whole life is just a journey and the, 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 the purpose or your goal should be just to enjoy the whole ride. Um, what happens is, you know, very often you, you, you see scenarios and uh, everybody knows somebody who's like this where, you know, they're working day and night, you know, so they can pay for a big house. They can, they can you know, pay for all this stuff for their kids. They never see their kids. They never see their spouse. They never do any of this stuff. And it's like, why are you working so hard? And it's like, I'm doing it for my family. And it's like, you're, you're doing what for your family? You're, you're never there for your family. Um, you know, and, and again, I, I guess sort of a, a little bit of the thing that I have in the back of my mind is, you know, that I guess the saying working for the man and, uh, you know, when you're working for the man, your whole life is just a treadmill. You get up in the morning, you're up to your eyeballs in debt. You worry about, you know, what happens if you get sick? What happens if you lose your job? But if you have money and you have, you're, you're spending less than you make and you have a little bit of a backup plan because you have money saved, you get to walk through life sort of a little bit more confident because, you know, all of a sudden, you know, your backup plan, if you, if you do lose your job, it's, it's okay. I'll be able to figure it out. You know, if you, if you do take a step back with your health or, or different things like that. So, so those are just the kind of the things that, that we just talk to people about in general, but I just, I, I find that, pe that people don't understand debt and they don't understand just how bad debt is. And we're, we're here right now in a really low interest rate environment where, you know, you could have, let's just say a hundred thousand dollar line of credit and you're paying, let's just use a number 4% on it. And so you're not worried about it because you're just, you know, it's not that big of an amount, but what happens when interest rates go up? Um, how are you ever going to get ahead if all you're doing is just paying interest? And right. so, so I, I just feel that, that, that if people can get a better grip on their spending, and on their savings, and on the fact that there is a bright future out there for them because they, they have a plan, then your overall quality of life is just going to go up as, as, a, as a result of doing that. So, Mike, what I clearly hear is that it's a mindset, right? Because you're talking about where, you know, if you think about two generations ago, um, people were in the saving kind of mode. And right yeah. now, our thinking or even the exposure of, of what we're seeing, you know, with our kids or just what they get bombarded with, with marketing. It's yeah. all about spending, spending, consuming, right? So we're yeah. in a consuming kind of um, environment. If you kind of think about commercials on TV or just billboards or, you know, just driving by something, you're constantly yeah. being bombarded with stimuli that says, buy me will make, make it better, make, make whatever better, yeah. make life better, you'll, you know, relationships better. It, it, you know, you'll look better in this car. You'll have the pretty girl in the whatever. It's always yeah. we're being bombarded. So when when people come in, and what are some of the main kind of um, mind blocks that you hear from people around money? What what do they say? Well, I I think that uh, you know people just as a general rule in the back of their head they go you know everything will work itself out. Everything will work itself out, and it's well you know what. 
Uh, you know, happily ever after is how all the movies end, but that's not necessarily how everything ends in real life. And so what happens is, you know, I remember some people that were in here that uh, had retired and didn't really have enough money when they retired because of, you know, different challenges that they had that maybe weren't foreseen for them. And now they're right at retirement and they kept calling me up to take money out and take money out. And it's like, we can't keep doing this. And they came in and it's like, you know, everything is going to work out. Everything's going to work out. And I saw their account go down. It was 400000 It's 300000 It's 200000 And all of a sudden they're sitting in my office one day and there's $150,000. And I'm trying to explain to them how this is going to last them the rest of their life on top of their pensions. And it's not a very good picture. And you know, they're, they're, they're looking at me and they're trying to figure out how they're possibly going to make do. And it's like, I've been telling you this for years. Like you, you told me everything's going to work out. Everything's going to work out. Everything's going to work out. Well, how's it going to work out? You need to either go back to work or you need to start spending, you know, substantially less money than, than, than you currently are in order for this, you know, to, your lifetime is a, an indefinite period of time. I don't know when you come and see me, if, if you're going to live until you're 70, if you're going to live till you're 80, till you're 90, you know, until you're a hundred and you know, so how are we going to, how are we going to properly allocate this money? And it's just a very, very uh, elusive thing because you have no idea how long you're going to live for. And unfortunately we used to have where everybody had a defined benefit pension plan yes, yes. that just paid them a guaranteed income for life. You know, let me go back a generation and a half or two generations ago, you know, it'd be possible to, to, to live in, in Windsor, Ontario, graduate as a C student from high school, uh, walk across the street, get a job at Ford Motor Company at 18 or 19 years old, have a lifetime of job security, have a lifetime pension when you're all done, you know, have health insurance paid for for the rest of your life. You'll be able to go out at 20 years old, go buy a nice white house with a picket fence, you know, have, have three, four kids and just live a life heavily, happily ever after. Well, that's again a generation and a half ago. Let's go and let's take the same scenario today. We have a straight A student that graduates from high school at the top of their class. They go out, they get a university degree. They, they graduate from university. They got $50,000 of student debt and they're, they're working at Starbucks. And you know, that reality today is a lot different than it used to be. And so what happens is you need to go out, you know, any suggestion I could have is anybody that can go out and get a really nice defined benefit pension plan like, like city employees do, like teachers do, like people that work at Hydro, those are very, very, very attractive things to have because it's, it's a guaranteed income for life. And if you don't have that, even if you have money, having money, you know, you come to me, let's say you're 65 years old, you have a million dollars, how much can I pull out? Well, what if we earn 5% on it? What if we earn 3% on it? What if we earn 7% on it? So I can give you, you know, what if you live for 10 years? What if you live for 30 years? What if you live for 40 years? So just having a guaranteed income is just a really, really good thing to have because it, it solves your biggest problem, which is how long you're going to live for because you really have no idea. You know, if you're a 400 pound chain smoking diabetic, I can give you a pretty good idea. Uh, or if all you do is uh, you're a vegan who goes to the gym for two hours every day, you know, I can give you a reasonably good idea as to how long you're going to live for. But that's me telling you as a group how long people like you would normally live for, but you as an individual are going to live longer or, or shorter depending on, you know, your own individual needs. So it's really about thinking about yourself, knowing what, you know, kind of having a, a vision of what kind of retirement you have and the level yeah. of lifestyle that you want to, right? Yeah. So thinking, you know, so let's, let's say 
the average Canadian, and I know that's hard. Let's say you're going to retire at 65, let's say 65 years old. Is that, how, what is it that someone at that age needs, needs to have to retire? Well, if I was to just use some general numbers, there's, there's you know, if, if we look at inflation, we have to look at making sure that we inflation protect your retirement because your purchasing power goes down substantially. You know, even if you only have 2 or 3% inflation, if you have 2% inflation for 20 years, your purchasing power is about 50%. If you have 3% inflation, your purchasing power is only about 30% or 40% in 20 years. So what happens is, is when I'm giving you a number, um, it's kind of like an inflation protected number, which is really, really important. So let's just say you have a million dollars for a round number. If we get 5% on that and we pull 5% out, hypothetically, you're always going to have your million dollars. But because we need to be pulling out because of inflation, you know, you probably should only be taking out about 4% of it. So, you know, if we go and we look at different research studies, the, the rock solid number for the amount of the amount that you can take out is more around two or 3% of what your lump sum of money is as a rock solid number. Again, that's because we don't know how long you're going to live for. But if we look at maybe more practical number, if somebody's going to take out about four to 5% of what their account balance is each year, that would be, you know, what I would call a, a safe and reasonable number. Um, now, next to that, you know, we've got Canada Pension Old Age Security. So just for a round number, somebody who's getting maximum Canada Pension is going to get about $14,000 a year uh, at age 65. Uh, old Age Security, you can take at age 65, that's a, for a round number, about $6,000 a year. So somebody has got maximum Canada Pension, comes to me, is planning on retiring at age 65, I already have a guaranteed income of about $20,000 a year. Right. So now that person has a million dollars, maybe we pull $50,000 a year out of it. So maybe I'm going to give them, you know, as a gross, gross number, about 70000 I'd rather have that number be more around 60000 just to be a little bit on the safe side because what if we lose money in the market? Right, uh, right. What if we have a couple of bad years? What if you have a couple of unexpected expenses? Like health or something happens with your children or whatever. Those are all things that, do you buffer that into the number that you're looking at? I do buffer it in, but as a general rule, what happens is we start with, you have no money, you do it, and here's your money growing, 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 and now you're retiring, now it goes down, and it goes down to zero. Let's just say at age 90. Well, that's how most people envision their their plan working. Uh, That's how most people envision their, their life working, but... You know, that's not really how it works. If we look at what, what happens, um, you know, when Canada Pension first came out, it started at age 65. Life expectancy was only age 71. Okay. If you go and you take a 65-year-old today and you look at what their life expectancy is, you know, it's the chance that you've got a 50% chance of being alive. You know, for a 65-year-old, that number is pretty close to age 90. Now, if I have a husband and wife, I've got two, two of them, the chance of one of them being alive, you know, 50% chance is well above age 90 and a 25% chance is probably around age 95. So am I planning from 65 to 75? Am I planning from 65 to 85, 65 to 95? Then you go and you go, wow, that's so fine. I'll spend all my money. Let's just stay by age 85. And then, uh, all I'll have is my, my, my pensions or something like that after that, or a base income just to pay my most necessary expenses. And then I go, well, you know, all sounds fine and dandy, but uh, the problem with living a long time is it costs a lot of money. 
And if you go and you look, if somebody ends up in a long-term care facility, you know, you're looking at a cost just for a round number of $2,500 to $3,000 a month. Well, anybody here has been in a long-term care facility, that is not the desired place to live. Uh, my mom is one step away from going into long-term care. Uh, she's living in assisted living. She has a one-bedroom uh, apartment, sort of the size of two small hotel rooms. They serve her breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's $3,700 a month. Well, now on top of that, she goes out to exercising classes three times a week. We get driving Miss Daisy to, to pick her up for that three times. There's another $700 a month. Then she doesn't like going in the elevator on her own, so they go and they pick her up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They show up six times a day to give her her pills. That stuff costs like another 4000 or pardon me, $1,400 a month for all of that. So I got 3,700 bucks for the basic. I got an extra $1,400 in services. Now I'm up to 5,100 bucks. Now I got her exercise classes and her, her driving Miss Daisy for that. I'm at close to $6,000 a month for her expenses right now. And so now what? Is she gonna stop buying clothes? Is she stop gonna buying her, her kids and grandkids something for their birthday and for Christmas? Like, you know, it costs a lot of money getting old. And I think that people are really, really unaware of that. So we really caution people you know, we're retired, not to plan on spending all of their money. So, Rainy, if you were, let's say you were talking some, you know, young kids, right? Because a lot of kids today, you know, Mike, it's, they're, they're not very optimistic coming out of university. A lot of them, you're talking at 50000 and a lot of times they're coming out with, you know, higher debts, yeah. even 50000 right? And they're, they're, like you said, they're lucky if they don't have an actual skill, right? A specific skill. Um, they're, they're looking at, you know, something like a job at Starbucks and stuff like that. I, I, I don't know what the, what the rate would be. Um, so what advice do you have for young people coming out that don't have the DB benefits? They, um, you know, they get, um, you know, the new, what is it, DC it's called? Yeah, defined, defined contribution where a certain percent right. of your income goes into right. an investment. You pick the investment and it grows to whatever it grows to. Right. My advice to anybody who's, well, I didn't say to anybody, but specifically to younger people, my, uh, my daughter's going into first year university in September. My son's uh, a year and a half out of graduating uh, at the top of his class in civil engineering. He's got a good job. Um, is, is I, I, I guess if you go and you look at ultimately how you get paid, um, you, me, everybody that's listening to this ultimately gets paid for providing value. And so if you want to get paid, paid more, you have to provide more value or in essence, you have to make yourself more valuable. And I, I guess if I looked and let's just take, I'm going to use a 25 year old and uh, if they, they work from 25 to 65. Let's just say they make $50,000 a year. Well, if I take that and I multiply that over 40 years, they have a, a future or an economic potential of about $2 million, which is 50,000 times 40 years. So now that 25 year old comes to me and says, Hey, Tell me what the best thing is for me to do for the future. You know, I, want, I know I need to be saving some money, paying off debts, doing all that stuff. You know, the best advice I give that person would be to continue going to school, continue going, taking a part-time course, taking something to, to so they're not stuck at $50,000 a year of income forever. Uh, there's nothing wrong with, with having a job that's at a set income that isn't really going to go up. You know, somebody has to work at a restaurant. Somebody has to work at a department store. These are good, honest, hardworking uh, jobs that noble people do. And I'm not knocking that at all. But, you know, if I could get that person making $50,000, if I can convince them to go and make themselves more valuable, 
to make you know, $60,000, $75,000, hundred. let's say $100,000. Well, that person now is going to have a future economic value of $100,000 a year for 40 years. They've got a future earning power of, uh, you know, $4 million. The person at 50000 has, a, has a, a future earning power of $2 million. So, you know, if, if let's say somebody came to me and they're, they're, they make hundred grand a year, and they're, they're 45 years old. They're right in the very middle of their, their career. And so they come and they're sitting in my office and they're making 100 grand a year and they have, let's just say $500,000 of, of net worth in their house, their assets, minus their liabilities, everything. So now I have this, this 45-year-old with $500,000 uh, of investable assets sitting in front of me, but they only have 20 years left to work. Left to work. Um, so what happens is, they only have a future earning power for that 20 years of say $2 million. And now let's just say they have their 25 year old son sitting right next to them who has no money, but they make a hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, who's actually more valuable? Uh, the 25 year old with no debts, who's going to have a future earning power of, of $4 million or, you know, the person who's halfway through the career, that has got 500,000. So what happens is over a period of time, you start the day you graduate from school, your, earning, your future earning potential is here. And year by year by year, it goes down, down, down until the day you retire. Well, while that's happening, you need to have your assets start to go up, up, up like this to sort of replace it so that, you know, you, you start, you have no money. Your, your earnings come from you physically going out to go to work. Well, the day you retire, what happens is you're not earning any money anymore. You have to have this pool of money. Let's just say it's in an hourglass and it's slowly going to start dripping out. And we want to make sure that it drips out at a pace that's going to last you the rest of your money and, you know, hopefully look after the, the legacy needs that you, you have for, you know, wanting to pass something on to the next generation and so on. So for but, that 25 year old, you're saying they have $2 million left in that 20 years. Yeah. hundred thousand a year of income for 20 years. Right. So you're saying to that person to, um, to say what 10% is, I don't know. They always say like, well, it used to be 10, 10% was what I'm going to call sort of the golden rule. And that, yeah. uh, you know, that's been around forever. The wealthy barber made that famous where yes. no matter where you are, save 10%, save 10%, save 10%. If you came to me and you were, uh, again, 45, you're halfway through your career and you don't have all that much money, maybe it's not the worst thing because maybe you paid your house off. Maybe you had all these students, like you started at a different spot in your life than I started and everybody else started, but basically you have to uh, have money that's going to turn around and provide you with income when your income actually stops. And so to use the number 10%, I think that almost anybody would, who's in the financial services industry would say that 10% is far, far too low of a number. Um, but if you come to me and you're not saving anything and you know, again, you make a hundred thousand dollars a year in this scenario, you come to me or you, 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 you currently aren't saving anything. And I go and I, I do a financial plan and I tell you, you need to save, whatever, $2,000 a month or some $3,000 a month, it's going to be such a big number that you're, that you're going to uh, you know, get scared off and you're not going to really do anything. You go, what's, what's even the point? So what I have to do is I have to convince you that Rome wasn't built in a day and grain by grain a castle and brick by brick a, a, or, a brick, brick, or grain by grain a loaf of bread and brick by brick a castle. And everything that you do, everything in your life counts. You know, it's, it's kind of like if you're, you're on a diet and you go and you, you, uh, 
you, you, you sit down at lunch and you have your, your kale salad and your, your vegan meal and all that stuff. And you, you, know, you, you drink your, your sparkling water with a lemon wedge in it. And then when it's all done, you decide to order a nice big piece of chocolate cake. And you go, well, I don't really count that. Well, it doesn't matter whether you count it or not. Your body is going to count those calories. And what I, what I find happens is, is that people think that the two bucks they're spending, you know, on a, on a coffee, it's no big deal. Well, you know, $2, $2 a day on a coffee, it's 700 bucks a day or 700 bucks a year that you're spending on coffee on the way to work. You're probably not spending $2 on a coffee. You're probably spending $5 on a coffee. And so then we turn around and we go, okay, well, what are all these extras that you have in life that are things that you don't really need that you could scale back on? And, you know, it's, well, could you get a more basic cable package or maybe not have cable at all? Like, why are you paying for cable and Netflix? I, I look at my life. I've got a cell phone. My wife has a cell phone. My daughter has a cell phone. My son has a cell phone. Uh, when I was my kid's age, we had one landline at our house and we had one landline in my office. I'm paying for four cell phones. Now I got a cottage. I'm paying for internet in my cottage. I'm paying for internet in my house. I'm paying for a landline in my house. My bill comes in for my technology bill every month comes in. It's like a $600 bill. And it's like, could we, could, could I drop, could I scale my data package down a little bit? I've got, I'm the type of person, I don't care where I am. If I want data, I don't care. I'm going to pay for it. But at the end of the day, I could use Wi-Fi. I could use, you know, I could get a basic data package. I could, you know, why do I have to have a smartphone? Um, you know, these are things that are, are necessities today that, that were complete luxuries. Um, you know, I live in Thunder Bay. I have a car starter in my car. Well, I remember the first time 25 years ago when one of my friends said they got a car starter, I thought he was insane. You know, and now a car starter is like everybody has to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go and you, and you, you look at this, the subscriptions you're paying for, the internet packages you're paying for, all these things that are, are necessary will say, well, that's fine. Let's assume they are necessary. Well, how are you going to save enough money to continue having all of these things as part of a necessary, necessary lifestyle? You know, other things that I'd like to throw out, uh, you know, is anybody, anybody here that's listening to this have a, have a child or a grandchild that, you know, gets divorced and calls you up and says, hey, I need, I need you to, you know, you're now 65 years old, 70 years old, and your, your son phones you up, your daughter phones you up and goes, hey, I got to borrow 100 grand because I got to, you know, we were paying for one house and now we're paying for two and I got to do it as part of a settlement. And, uh, you know, that's just what the reality is. You know, I, I, there was a, a stat that I read uh, just recently, I believe it was in the Toronto Star, over 50% of people are supporting children that are over 30 years old. 50% of people that have children are in some way financially supporting their children over 30 years old. Now, I live in Thunder Bay, uh, you know, $300,000, I should get you a pretty good house. Uh, you know, if you make, you know, your husband and wife in Thunder Bay and you, you both make $50,000 a year, you could actually... You know, have a reasonably good life. Well, what if you live in Toronto or you live in Vancouver? And uh, I'm making $50,000 a year. My wife's making fifty. we We're We're working hand to mouth forever. My kids, now because of that, maybe don't get the opportunities that they would have had. Now they're not getting off to, to as good of a start in life. And now they graduate from school or they don't graduate from school. They got debt. They're now paying these outrageous rents, trying to pay. How are you ever going to get to a spot where you're going to be you know, have a down payment for a house or be able to afford stuff like that. So it's just, you know, if you, if you have, I don't want to say a, a, a philosophy of scarcity, but if you just recognize that, 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 you know, money is, 
is, is scarce to you because the total amount of money you're going to make is what your future earning power is. And you go, well, you know, my neighbor just bought a new truck. They work at the same place as me. Uh, we should buy a new truck. Uh, you know, my, my other neighbor, they just took their family down to Florida. We should go down to Florida. You know, the first time I was in Florida, I was 24 years old. Well, I look at my kids. Again, they're 17 and 24. I've had them on European cruises. I've had them on Caribbean cruises. We've been down to Florida probably 10 times. And we've got a vacation property close to our house. We've got three boats on it. This stuff is all very, very expensive to maintain. Well, I'm still doing the fundamental things and myself and my wife both have good incomes and we can afford a lifestyle like this. But if we were doing it all on debt, we're just robbing our future and we're also robbing our, our, you know, in some ways our kids' future. And everybody has a different philosophy on, you know, some people, their, their approach is, hey, the minute you walk out the door, you graduated from university, you're not my problem anymore. Well, so what? Now your 25-year-old phones you up, your 30-year-old phones you up and goes, hey, mom, I got cancer. What are you going to do? So, well, hey, you're on your own or are you going to help them out? You know, what, do you, what about your parents? You know, we have, we have people, a sandwich generation, they're supporting their parents and they're supporting their kids. Well, how are you ever going to get ahead if you're, you're doing all that stuff? So I would just tell anybody, make yourself as valuable as possible so your future earning power is as high as it can possibly be. You know, do all the stuff that your grandmother or your grandfather told you, sitting by the fireplace, you know, work hard, put away some money for a rainy day, you know, uh, all, all those different things. Those are just the good basic things that, that, that everybody should sort of abide by just with their, their life in general. So, so, that, that, so that, that, want, that wanting and that wanting in the moment is really kind of really deterring people from having uh, really, a, a, like you said, a relaxed kind of lifestyle, knowing that in the future, if you, like you said, if you make $10 and you save, you know, two all the time, there's going to yeah. be something left versus if you're spending 10 or you're spending 12 and you're having to pay that extra two yeah. under that treadmill throughout your life. Yeah. You know, and, and for, especially for younger people, like get a hundred thousand dollars under your belt as fast as you possibly can. You know, for somebody who's maybe living at home, you know, they graduate, they're living at home, they've got a good paying job. You should be saving like 50% of your income, 60% of your income. You know, let's, let's take two twins. They both graduate from university. Uh, they're both making, you know, whatever, $100,000 a year just to keep it as a simple number. One of them decides they want to get a new car. They want to go on all these trips. They want to have, you know, the, the Louis Vuitton, you know, purse, purse and watch and, and all, all those things. And the other one decides to live a more conservative lifestyle and saves 20 grand a year. So now we're there and we're five years ahead. And twin A has no money and twin B's got $100,000. Well, let's just say that that $100,000 is, is earning 5% just to, for a real simple number. So now let's say the two of us are twins. And so I got a hundred grand and you don't. Well, I could stop saving right now and you would have to save $5,000 a year for the rest of your life just to keep up with what my money's growing by. So in essence now I, because I did that and made that good early decision, I've got $5,000 more free cash flow. You know, look at people like my, myself. My house is paid off and, again, has been paid off for some time. And, again, you know, out of respect for everybody here, we're not living in a million-and-a-half-dollar house in Toronto. So, you know, my house is $300,000. i am 54 years old. It should be paid off. So now the fact that it is paid off, you know, it just – let's say let's say my, tw my twin 
didn't pay theirs off and now they've got a $1,500 a month mortgage payment. Well, because I don't have that mortgage payment, I have $1,500 a month of, of free cash flow. So what could I do with that? I could spend that now. I could, I could save it. But here's the thing I really want to kind of drive home for everybody. How much more confidence am I going to walk around with, you know, over the next 10 years? Because I know I have a little bit more of a backup plan maybe than, than somebody else does. And so, you know, money gives you relevance. Um, and so, you know, just the fact you have money, you have more confidence, you're able to make maybe more long-term decisions. You know, let's go and look at the opposite end of that. We've got somebody that, that lives completely hand to mouth. You know, they're, they're out of money uh, by the time their next paycheck comes. You know, uh, well, what do they do? They got 20 bucks. They, they, they don't get paid for two days. They got 20 bucks. They got to get some food. Well, where do they go? They go to Seven Eleven or something like that. They buy everything in small quantities at the highest price because there's no point going to the grocery store. It's a mile away because it's only going to be an extra dollar or two savings. So that person is now paying more than they should for almost everything they're doing. Um, you know, meanwhile, the person who has, has money behind them, they go to the grocery store, they see the toilet paper is on sale, they buy a whole bunch of toilet paper, they, they fill their freezer with the stuff that's on sale. So as a result now, their, 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 their money is being used just more efficiently. So if you can, but, you know, by having money behind you and having more of a long-term perspective, you actually are able to use your money more efficiently. You know, if you go and you pay for things, if you, I, I just uh, renewed a, a health club membership. If I paid for it monthly, um, you know, let's just say for fun, it's a hundred dollars a month. Well, if I, because I paid for it annually, I got a discount. So I paid, you know, in this analogy, $1,100 for my, my health club membership. Instead of somebody that has no money paid a hundred dollars a month or $1,200. So I'm 10% more efficient than that person is. And what, what, did, what I did, it cost me nothing. It just was a matter of me being in a position where I could make that, 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 that annual payment. So that's a good point because whether it's the the two dollar coffee or the paying the membership um, off, you're, you're constantly instead of saying, "Oh, it's just two dollars," or "It's twenty dollars," it's it all it's cumulative. Yeah, right. And, and like if I go and I do, you know, we sell in essence compounding. Uh, so now I go and I somebody comes to see me again, mirror mirror on the wall. I have a hundred grand. I can save ten thousand dollars a year. You know, here it is at five percent or six percent, whatever. So here's how much money you're going to have. Well, if I turn around and I, I, I change that rate of return by, by 1% or 2% you know, over somebody's lifetime, they're going to have substantially more money come retirement time and a, and a better, just because of a 1% you know, better rate of return. And so what happens is, you know, if I go and I take that analogy and, I, and I, I say, okay, what if you just did a whole bunch of things just a little bit better than you're currently doing? You know, uh, let me use weight, you know, exercise as an example or, or losing weight. You know, you decide you want, to, you want to lose some weight. Well, there's really only, you know, again, I'm not a diet expert here, but, you know, for some simple version, you need to either burn more calories or you need to eat less calories. Right. So whatever you're currently doing, you're eating X number of calories a day. So now I get you to eat 100 calories a day less. Well, it's, well, it's only 100 calories. Well, no, it's, it's 100 calories. Well, at the end of a month, it's 3,000 calories. Well, is that 3,000 calories? I don't know. Maybe you're going to weigh a pound less in a month. Well, you know, if you want to lose 20 pounds, as long as you're on the path, like I just need to get you on the path. It's like you're here. You're, here's, here's your normal weight, somewhere between normal weight and your current rate. weight. You made a whole bunch of really, really small bad decisions that now gave you that 20 pounds of extra weight. So now all I have to do is just change your momentum 
And it doesn't matter how much I change it by. If I get you to lose one pound, I don't care whether it's this month or this quarter. You know, if you just stay on that plan, you're going to lose that 20 pounds. You know, but what if all of a sudden now, instead of just having you eat a few less calories, what if I can get you to exercise a little bit more? And again, whatever exercise you're doing, all I do is I just get you to walk an extra five minutes every day. You know, it's only five minutes. I understand that, but it's a positive choice. So now you're, you're, you're burning a few more calories, plus you're consuming a few less calories. Now we have a double impact. Well, here's what's maybe going to happen is that now all of a sudden, because you're exercising a little bit more, you're eating a little bit better, maybe now you're going to sleep a little bit better tonight. Mm-hmm. So now you sleep a little bit better tonight. You can see how, how one of them starts to impact the other one and the other one. So now you sleep a little bit better tonight. Now you wake up tomorrow got a little bit more energy than you actually had today and so everything is compounds on everything so if I can get somebody to to save just a little bit more money and then I can get them to spend a little bit less you know and then I can get them to maybe earn a little bit more and just a whole bunch of little things all put together everything counts and and you know I, I think that people discount that everything counts and the, the the opposite of saying that everything counts is well I'm never going to get there anyway so why even bother and you see, you see that, you know, forget about money. You see that in so many areas in people's lives. It's like you're in a job you don't like. And it's, well, why don't you, why don't you go, uh, you know, you need to go to school, let's say, for a year to get the education to, to get a better job. And so I can't leave, I can't leave my job, you know, for a year and go back to school. No, you can't, but, but you could read a book. Um, you know, you could maybe take one course and then maybe after this year, maybe take a second course, you know, and then, you know, you're going to be, say you're 40 years old right now. What are you going to do? You're going to stay in a job you're unhappy with for the next 25 years? That's door number one. You can pick door number one. Maybe you could say, hey, I really don't like this job. And the pain of going and, and you know, getting education or whatever to get a promotion or whatever, maybe that's less pain than, than, than going to a job you don't like for the next 25 years. And But you're not going to go pick up and go back to school. But again, you could read a book. There's You could... There's, there's something you could do to make yourself a more valuable employee and maybe put yourself in a better position than, than, than you're currently in. So it's incremental and additive, really, is what uh, you're small, saying. Small, small in, in, incremental steps. And, and, and you know, for me as a, as a financial planner, but just for, for anybody out there who's listening to this, just as an individual, your, your job is to, to, to be a beacon of hope and to sell the promise of the future to uh, to, to other people, you know, let's, let's just paint the different scenario. You can, you come to me, you're a client of mine, you come to me, you're just devastated because, uh, you know, one of your, one of your kids got an illness and meanwhile you're having financial problems and, uh, and you're getting divorced and you go, you know, and it's all hopeless. Well, you know what? Tomorrow's still another day. Okay. And so I just need to sell you on it. Tomorrow's another day. Maybe things will be a little bit better tomorrow. And maybe there's some things that you could do, you know, financially, personally, professionally, spiritually, whatever it happens to be, a couple decisions you can make today that are going to put you in a better spot. When I, when I present to people, I, I love telling them, telling the story about uh, I got a bunch of custom fit clothes and my weight fluctuates by probably about 15 pounds throughout, a, uh, throughout the year. And I, I guess I was maybe a little bit on the lighter side when I got all these custom fit clothes and uh so then what happens is all of a sudden my pants are a little too tight. And it's, you know, it's pretty bad when your, your clothes don't fit, but when your, your custom fit don't, clothes don't fit, it's really, really bad. And so, you know, I talked to a friend of mine and uh, he's a personal trainer. And it's like, what do, I, what do I need to do to take an inch off my waist 
And he was like, in addition to everything you're doing, do 20 sit-ups a day. Okay, 20 sit-ups a day. That's something I could do right now in a minute. You could do it. All of us could do it. Here's, here's the thing I found out, though. I found out that it's actually easier to walk around with your pants too tight all day than, than it is to do 20 sit-ups, okay? Because the fact of the matter is if my pants are too tight and I put them on right now and they're too tight, if I do 20 sit-ups right now, my pants are still going to be too tight. And so the, 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 the things that I'm doing today are going to solve my problems for tomorrow and for a month from now and six months from now. And if I go, oh, you know what, it's not worth it. My pants are still going to be too, so what am I going to do? Walk around with my pants too tight for the rest of my life? And so, so it's just, it, just, just a game. I have 30 years just dealing with thousands and thousands of people about their goals, what they want to do, you know, what their challenges are and, and, and things like that. I just, I can't convince people enough that, that it's not really your big decisions that are, that are, uh, that are where, why you fail. It's just a whole bunch of, of small, small decisions. And again, the health analogy that I used, I think is pretty good where, you know, it's just, you know, uh, my son, he says to me all the time, he goes, I got no problem getting to the gym. The hardest part is just getting, getting to the gym. That's the hardest part. And so just get up, you know, look at where you are right now and just decide you need to just change your momentum. Just get on the path and just start making decisions that are little decisions that you're going to do. And, you know, again, you know, somebody decides, I, I love when I see people on Facebook and they're checking in at Good Life Fitness and it's January the 2nd and I, they check in and it's January the 3rd and they check in. Uh, and it's like, I, I know how, I, I already know how this movie is going to end, okay? And so what I would much rather do is convince you if you're not going to the gym at all is to, to start going once a week, you know? And then when you're going once a week, then maybe start going it twice. It, if you well, said, I, I think that's the case with all change, Mike, like even with uh, what I do for a living with people when they want to make changes in their mental well-being. And I often say it, it doesn't take a it doesn't take a lot, but no. it has to be often and consistent. Yeah. It does not have to take a long time, you know, to just to kind of pivot and do something different. If you're if you're, you know, stressed out, if you're, you know, you're kind of finding that you're not sleeping well, those types of things. It's small, small steps. Yeah. ultimately, And then like it's like you're right. Initially, maybe you're not seeing the change, but it's the small incremental steps often, like persistence yeah. and yeah. looking at the long term, which is really what you're saying. If you think about it with any of us, we want to be able to, we all have values and beliefs about the kind of life that we have and we yeah. want. Yeah. And if you're thinking really and you're connected to that, you should be able to be strategizing uh, financially to be able to yeah. achieve that goal versus, uh, oh, I won't think about it. Uh, yeah. you know, I'll have that extra pizza chop with cake and hope to God I'm not yeah. going to the 30 pounds or whatever. But one more thing I really would like to touch on just before we close all this off is, is that the concept of exploring what we call a hybrid retirement and a hybrid retirement is where instead of being, let's just say the full-time, you know, teacher and then you work full-time and then all of a sudden one day you're not working at all anymore. People change careers so many times throughout their lifetime. You know, there's so many people, they got, you know, full-time job and then maybe a couple of casual jobs or things like that. Well, maybe what you could do if you're, you get to retirement and you're not quite in as good a position as you want to be in, that's the time when you can change careers. You can go out, you can become a consultant. You can go out and you can, you can quit your job that you, that, that you don't like, that's maybe the good paying job, and then go and get the job working at the flower shop where they, that you love doing part-time. And so now, you know, instead of going from $100,000 a year of income down to nothing, maybe you go from $100,000 of income down to a job that's, pays $50,000 and you do that for a couple of years and it's a little bit of a transition in the retirement. You can, you can get a better grip on your expenses. You can get a better grip on, 
you know, uh, how many couples you get divorced if all of a sudden the two of them went from working full-time, racing around, and all of a sudden they both retired and they're sitting at home with nothing to do all day. So, you know, if you have a little bit of a hybrid retirement, maybe you retire now and your spouse doesn't retire for another year or two, and you just do a transition and you figure out the money, you can figure out the um, the lifestyle and stuff like that. But, you know, one of the things is that people talk about you know, I, I go to them like, what do you want to do when you retire? And they go, oh, I want to travel the world. I want to buy a boat. You know, I want to do, a, you know, do a, buy a nice car and I want to see the world. And then it's like, well, what are you doing right now? Oh, I'm working 80 hours a week. And so, oh, you're working 80 hours a week. So you can pay for all this stuff. You don't see your kids. You're, you miss your kids' recitals. Your marriage goes on the rocks a couple of times. Your health suffers. And now all of a sudden you go from working 60, 78 hours a week and all of a sudden one day, you just retire and now you're, gonna, you're just going to start golfing four days a week, five days. That's not, that's not, you know, that's not what retirement's like. And so, so what you need to do is you need to figure out what you're going to do when you retire. And if you enjoy doing those things, it's like, what are, what are all the things you like doing in your life? You know, you, you, you write them down and you go, okay, are you doing any of those things? It's like, no. Well, why, why like your life is going to be 28,000 days, maybe 30,000 days. You know, today's one of those 30,000 days. Like, why aren't you doing the things that you like doing today? Properly balance your work with, with, your, with, with all the things that we sort of, sort of discussed. And again, look at life as just being a whole journey. It's not like you're doing something you hate, and all of a sudden one day you're just going to wake up and, and retire, and then you're going to be happy. If you're not happy before you retire, you're probably not going to be happy after you retire. And, and again, the key thing is just to always wake up Forget money. Just wake up and just just your your job is you walk out to the world and you you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna come back at the end of the day after you you went out and you, you met the world and hopefully you made the world a better place. Hopefully you're you're in a little bit better spot, you know, financially or relationship wise or 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 you know knowledge wise and and uh, you know I would just encourage people to to just not think that retirement is this 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 the most amazing time of your life you know probably you know for a lot of people you know most amazing time of your life is you're 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 there you're raising your kids you got your kids are there and then all of a sudden now you got uh, you got uh, you know maybe your your kids have grandkids and now you're in your 50s your early 60s those yes. are exciting exciting times yes, for sure. you know uh, how many people do you know that uh, i go see my mom and assisted living almost every day it's it's, it's you know it's it's uh, it's unfortunate how few visitors these people get. So live so really what you're saying is live your value and let your let your uh, your strategy for uh, retirement um, be in line with that. And but don't start it when you retire because I know that somebody was telling me in financial services and you could probably tell me that people that do what you're suggesting with the 80 hours and stuff like that that there's a, there's a demographic that those people. A lot of times, um, not too long after retirement, there's a high mortality rate. Very, very high mortality rate. Right. And, you know, if you, uh, I don't want to quote me exactly on this, but the fastest growing uh, segment is uh, for suicides, people over the age of eight. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so so maybe one day you're going to, like, let's not forget for you, for me, everybody here, good health is not, not a guarantee of the future. Right. And... Uh, you know, you can turn around and, and, and everybody's going to get a phone call one day. It's going to say you got cancer, you got heart disease. We're all going to get that phone call. And, uh, you know, for some of us, maybe that phone call is going to radically change our life for the next 20, 30 years. Well, it'd be a shame to have not enjoyed the first, you know, 
Again, what if, what if all of a sudden my life changes forever and I have a stroke tomorrow and I end up, I'm in a bed for the next 30 years? Well, at least I can say I made the most out of the first 54 that I had. You know, what if I just work day and night for the future and then I find out that the future is not as bright as it's going to be? So Mike, I know you, you know, you do, obviously you're, cons- you're consulting with clients, but you also speak. So for, um, tell me a little bit about the speaking and then tell me, um, and the people listening, if they wanted to connect with you and even for consultation or to, um, for, to have you speak where, where they would, uh, be able to the best thing would be to uh, go on my website, which is moral financial, M-O-R-R-O-W financial.ca. I'm in Thunder Bay. I'm happy to talk to anybody on the phone for half an hour about anything you want to talk about. And if somehow we see that there's a fit, um, you know, we travel all over the country and we've got clients all over the country. And uh, we just feel that we have a real common sense approach to putting all the pieces of the financial puzzle together for people. Um, and again, the key thing that they're going to get out of that is the confidence to actually enjoy their life a little bit. So we, we, I won a grand prize in a national best idea contest for sort of my whole business plan. So I've spoken really all over the world, um, you know, to financial advisors and to their clients um, on how to build a business, how to explain money to clients, how to, how to move people to action. And uh, remembering that the, you know, most people, when I call them up, if I just got referred to you, said, hey, I'm Mike Morrow from Morrow Financial, I'd like to talk to you about your money. Your life was going just fine before your phone rang and you think it's going to go just fine after you get off the phone with me. So what I need to do is I need to compel you to be moved to action. You know, I need to do that by, by, by shortening the, the, the time horizon on how long you have to save money and, the import, and how long you're going to have to live on it and putting you in a position where you can see what your future is going to look like under the current path. And then we can, we can change what that path looks like. So that's what we do. We, we speak to, to financial advisors. We speak to clients, uh, Again, our new, our, our new book, Don't Worry, Retire Happy, that's a book for consumers. And we're just, we did the, the first uh, cop, copies of it just to fix all the spelling mistakes. And we've sent that off now for the final, final printing. It'll be available on Chapters Online. Um, and it'll be available on Audible. And we just think that it just, we, we put together the seven steps. And what those seven steps are, uh, the first one is to have a plan. The second one you know, is to maybe have a little bit of a hybrid retirement where you work a little bit longer and save a little bit more. And we want to make sure we cover all your basic expenses with some sort of a guaranteed income. And then we try to optimize the rest of your retirement for inflation by investing in equities. Then we, we teach people how to maximize Canada pension, old age security. That's something, you know, nine out of 10 people that are going to watch this have, have no idea how Canada pension works. You know, and what, what happens, they're going to go to Tim Hortons and everybody at Tim Hortons at the coffee club is going to tell them when to take it, you know, and without knowing what their situation is at all. And we find that, that most people make the wrong choices on when they're going to take their Canada pension and their old age security. You know, the last two steps is make sure you have some sort of a plan for long-term care. Long-term care can basically bankrupt you and your family. And then, you know, the last one is to use your home equity wisely. And then we get people to buy life insurance that can serve their estate. And we just slowly put it all together. We get people saving more money than they're currently saving. And uh, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, most people are quite happy that they've done that. So you're, you also speak, and I know you have a big event coming up. Um, tell, tell them what you speak about um, and what that uh, speaking event is, because I know it's a pretty... Uh, the, the, the big event I'm doing this year, I'm speaking for a group that I'm a member of called the Million Dollar Roundtable, which for... Anybody who's in the speaking profession, that's kind of regarded as the, the most prestigious place that you can speak. There's going to be 
uh, 14,000 people at it in Miami in June. I'm doing a, a focus session. It'll be a 90-minute focus session. And probably it'll be, I don't know, about 2,000 people at it. It'll just be financial advisors from all over the world. And we're just going to basically talk to them about how to market themselves, how to, how to have niche markets, all the different things that we do in our business to attract clients, to, to keep clients, to foster client loyalty. And then after we show them how to get clients and keep clients, then we actually use a whole bunch of uh, financial concepts to, to help them to explain how money works and so that they can explain you know, how life insurance works. They can explain how RSPs work, how, how tax-free savings accounts work, and the different products out there so that they can have the tools to basically you know, assist their clients in, in, in moving them to action by, by taking something that's really unknown to the client, which is how money works, and make it much more familiar and known to them by using simple concepts to uh, so they, they actually get it, you know, and then after they get it, then, you know, just work together with them as, as clients to, to work towards whatever their financial goals are. That's amazing. So that's quite the accomplishment being able, and I know you've, you um, have spoken there several times um, in the speaking business. It's, it's, it's definitely one of the places that uh, most people want to be at and hopefully someday I'll be able to, to, to be able to do that at some point. So, you know, Mike, uh, this has been um, very, very helpful. I know personally, I'm thinking of all the things that I need to read this book, first of all. And um, just, to, you know, the basic things that I know that I can do today to really kind of, you know, start to think about, like you said, from the $2 uh, coffee to, you know, kind of looking at what the extra expenditures are that you could start to, to shift down now and really to be realistic. And those, what I found very, very interesting is the, the hours, right? So I'm thinking, okay, I'm 53. And if yeah. I want to, re, you know, look at, at semi-retail, I will do hybrid because I love what I do. Yeah. I'm like you. Um, at six, it's say 65 to kind of start to think about what are those hours, even if I'm going to go into a hybrid, that's Perfect. really a, what a teachable moment there for me. Yeah. Like when well, I great. Thank that, you. you know, so, and I hope that the, everyone listening is also thinking along those terms and um, you know, to, to live the life that you want now, don't, yeah. don't hold your breath. Um, don't hope that all of a sudden, you know, make the changes now Um you know, live, you know, make sure that you spend the time doing the things that you want to do, that you're aligned with what you value and what you believe, because like Michael said, there's no guarantee, yeah. that, you know, at 65, after doing all the things you, you've done, that you, we wear guaranteed health, even though we know Canadians are living uh, a very, very long time because um, just with technology and stuff like yeah. that. So, Michael, you know, thanks so much again. Good luck with the event. My pleasure. One, one other thing, just if people are interested. So, I gave the one website, which is my financial planning website, which is moralfinancial.ca. But for my other website, whereas my speaking website and, and stuff like that, it's called ideasforadvisors.com. I-D-E-A-S-F-O-R advisors.com. Okay, and I will okay. I will put both of them in the, uh, the show notes, uh, Michael, so that they can... Uh, yeah. So should you want it to deal with Michael individually, or if you wanted to have him speak uh, at uh, your event, you can, uh, you'll, be, you'll be able to kind yeah. of hit the link below and uh, be able to connect with him. And uh, our book, Don't Worry, Retire Happy, the Globe and Mail wrote a very, very favorable article about it also. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So maybe if you send that to me with a link, I could put it in uh, the show notes so that people could kind of, um, you know, be able to kind of uh, read that article because I think <laughs> Very perfect. Thanks so much for having me. 
Okay, well, thanks for coming okay. on. So for everyone, uh, thanks for tuning in again to Authentic Living with Roxanne. Uh, as you know, I'm a mental health and wellness specialist. If there's needs for um, speaking, uh, training, or coaching, please go to my website at roxannedurhodge.com or give me a call at 289-929-0131. Okay, everyone, take care, and we'll chat soon. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxannederhage.com slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.